morning again. Hello. Welcome to Campus House. Uh, Have any of you, uh, how many of you in the room are familiar with the television show The West Wing? Just raise raise a hand. Some of you were very excited to raise your hand. Some of you not as excited to raise your hand. And half of you didn't raise your hand. The West Wing uh, was a television show on NBC for a good while. these were some of the characters. It basically tells the story of um, the West Wing, which is part of the White House that the president and his staff work in and out of. And uh, so all of these people are st- staff members for the president. Um, and the president, uh, you can go to the next slide, uh, Bailey, is this man. Look at him. Josiah Bartlett, um, played by Martin Sheen. Uh, and so there, I think there's seven seasons, and I loved this show, um, mainly because of this guy. Uh, he uh, was the best president ever. I mean, if you uh, wanted, uh, if you could think of all the things you would want in a president, Jed had every single thing. Uh, regardless of your party affiliation, I'm not going to tell you what party he was a part of, um, but he was just a solid man all the way around. He, he always made the right choices uh, for all the right reasons. He was noble. He was humble. He was wicked smart. He was actually from uh, uh, New Hampshire, so he would say wicked smart. Uh, he, his whole staff, all the staff, all the people in the picture before, are also equally good people, right? They have noble motives for all the things that they're doing. He's basically, uh, Jed is the antithesis, antithesis of Frank Underwood. If you, maybe more of you are familiar with uh, House of Cards, uh, Frank Underwood. Uh, he is a terrible president, and he really is the anti uh, Christ of uh, Jed Bartlett. He is really the opposite of everything that Jed stood for. He, Jed, was the kind of human being that you would want behind the desk in the Oval Office, truly serving our, uh, as, as your president and our country. Uh, unfortunately, you know, it was a TV show. So um, we never will ha- we'll never have a president like him. Uh, and he wasn't perfect, of course, but uh, I just remember, like, I, would, I, think, I think even for a while, I watched the show with friends. We, we like got together. I think I had dreams about him. It's just like, he's just, like, I wish, I wish, you just wish so much that he was our president. Um, it doesn't matter who the president was. I mean, this was like the 90s, so I don't know, Bush, uh, Clinton, maybe were president uh, in those times. But, like, it's just, this is the guy you want. This is the guy. This summer, uh, we've been doing a sermon series called uh, Backstory. Um, and we've been looking at a psalm each week uh, and considering the story behind the psalm. And the psalms uh, are simply a book of Hebrew poetry, if you don't know, um, mostly made up of laments and praises. And our friends uh, at the Bible Project talk about laments and praises and define a lament as a prayer of pain, confusion, or anger. Um, it draws attention to what's wrong in the world and asks God to do something about it. Um, a praise is simply a prayer of joy and celebration, drawing your attention to what's good in the world, good in the world, retelling God's story and thanking God for his uh, work in the world. Um, over half of the Psalms are, are written by King David. Now, if you want to talk about a good ruler, King David was one of, if not the best. He was the youngest of eight sons. Uh, the early days of his life, he's t- he tends the sheep because uh, the further along you are in the sibling uh, line, like he was eight of 
number eight of eight sons, um, you get to be the shepherd. You don't get to do the, the fun, honorable things. You get to go up be the shepherd. But he fought off and killed lions and bears that would come and attack the sheep. King Saul was the first king that, Israel, that God installs for Israel, uh, and he doesn't do very well, uh, and so the Lord uh, anoints David as king. Um, but very early in his age, very early in his life, he is anointed king, but so he doesn't become king right away. Uh, many of us know the story of David and Goliath. David, uh, the small little human, goes and defeats like the largest human that ever existed um, with uh, a rock. Saul then is threatened by David, obviously, because this tall, small little human just killed the largest human, uh, and God has anointed him to be king, and so Saul is very threatened by him and spends many years chasing David. David's on the run, chasing, uh, fleeing from Saul. David has this band of mighty men that go and uh, that are lo- super loyal to him and fight with him and alongside him for years. David finally becomes king, and he is uh, often said, uh, called a man after God's own heart, and he um, uh, brings peace in Israel, defeats all of Israel's enemies. Um, and then this summer we've, we talked about Bathsheba, the story of uh, David and Bathsheba. Again, maybe you're familiar with this story. David uh, sees a woman that he is interested in, takes her for himself, uh, has his, her, gets her pregnant, uh, then consequently has her husband killed and makes him, her his own wife. Not, that's not good. That's like Frank Underwood kind of stuff, right? Not good. But immediately when his sin is kind of revealed to him by the prophet Nathan, he uh, repents and turns uh, and is changed. He is the kind of king that you would want to live under. So David, uh, as we wrap up our backstory series today, we're going to look at the last poem recorded, written by David in the Psalms. It's Psalm 145. David had a very full life. And this uh, psalm really is almost a synopsis of all that he's learned about God in the years of walking with him. And he's walked through a lot of things. I didn't, I mean, I, that was just a very brief synopsis. of his, Lots of other things happened to him in his life. And we've talked about some of those things this, this summer as we've looked at the psalms. This is an epic poem of praise to our good God and King. In this psalm, David is acknowledging that God is the true King, that he's actually the best King anyone could ask for. He's powerful, compassionate, and a faithful provider for his people. And consequently, he's very worthy to be praised. So this morning, I want to read the psalm together. So you have it printed out for you on your chair. Uh, Hopefully, you have one printed out. If you're not, there's one next to you you can grab. So I am going to read it out loud with us. And then I really, I prayed this earlier. I, I, I believe, we strongly believe that God speaks to us very directly through his word. And I believe that God has given me some words to share with you this morning about this psalm, but I really want you to sit with the passage and listen to the Lord a little bit before, we, before I say any more words about this psalm this morning. So I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to give you five to seven minutes for you to read through it again, meditate on it. As you read through it, as, you, as I read through it once, and then as you read through it again, pay attention to the words that stand out to you. Pay attention to the things that um, you, maybe you have questions about or things that you see repeated or um, 
whatever might be rise to the surface for you this morning, I believe that God is wanting to make known to you. And then maybe some of that will connect with the things that I share with you. Maybe it won't, but I really wanted to give you space this morning to sit with this psalm. So I'm going to read it, and then we'll give you a few minutes to just sit with it yourself, okay? Psalm 145, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your domain endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. So I left space there for you too. So if you have, there's pens on the chairs as well. If you want to write on here, please feel free to write, highlight, underline things as you read and meditate on the word this morning.
God's word and that he could speak to us and just so directly. And we just take a moment to pay attention and look. Um, well, I do have some thoughts to share with you about the passage this morning. It actually lines up with a lot of the things that you already shared, which not a surprise. Um, the psalm really opens and closes. I read the open and the close of the psalm at the start of the service, um, really with praise. Lifting high, exalting, raising up, praising, extolling, uh, those are all like praising, praise words, right? Um, but the, the first line is, I will exalt you, my God, the King. And I think... Um, that is really the focus for, for me this morning that I want to take um, is um, God our King. Verse 3 says, um, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Um, verses 11 through, through, through 13 talk about the kingdom four times. Um, and I think what we see uh, is like Leah was saying, we have this list of all the things that God is and who he, who he is, the character of God, um, and we get this, and, but the, I think the, what was, has stood out to me and I've been thinking about this week with this psalm is the fact that he is our king. Um, David acknowledged God as, as his king. It says, great is the Lord. Verse 3, I mentioned great is the Lord, that verse, because great um, was, a, was a word the, the, the word used there is a word often used when talking about kings. Uh, and so uh, there is this, and it's used later as well in the, in the psalm. Uh, and so there's this, this focus, I think, at least from my perspective, uh, on God as our king. Uh, and David acknowledges God as his king, um, which in ancient times, most of the time, if you were a king, you were God. Um, and so for the king, and one of the, the most powerful and successful kings of all Israel of all time, acknowledging that he is not God, that, that he is not God, and that God is actually the capital T king, capital K. So I think I, I see laid out uh, in this passage, in this psalm, is David acknowledging the kind of king we have in God. Um, and so um, this, uh, if you have that slide, um, Bailey, we have a uh, powerful king, verses 4 through 7, a compassionate king, verses 8 through 10, and a provider king, verses 14 through 20. Um, and uh, I'm sorry that they're not all Ps, um, but you'll get over it. Um, it'll be okay. I didn't use alliteration today. Um, so we have a powerful king, we have a compassionate king, and we have a provider king. We have a powerful king, verses 4 through 7, right? It says, one generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of your glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. One generation commends your works to another. It gets passed on, on and on, all the things that God has done. Um, and when uh, God's greatness stretches through time, it's forever, <laughs> uh, through the generations. Um, and most often you see a lot, actually, in the Psalms, but um, 
in the Old Testament, especially when they think of and speak of God's power, they're almost always referencing, even if they don't say it directly, back to God redeeming, saving um, the Israelites from Egypt. Um, it's not, it doesn't say that here specifically, but telling the power of your awesome works, like very often that's what Israelites were thinking about when they talk about the, the good works of God. But David himself, as, as if, if he's writing this at the end of his life, he's looking back and um, understanding all the things that God has done. He, David can look back and see all of the wonderful works that God has done in his life. And he wants to meditate on those powerful things. Defeating Goliath, I mean, he, David very clearly gives God all of the credit for that victory over Goliath. Um, but I don't know what it was like to kill a bear. I think that would also be a little bit scary. Uh, and I think would he, David would rec- recognize that that power came and uh, ability came from the Lord. Uh, and just even the power and the humility to um, recognize his sin and turn and repent, there is there's actually, I think, power in that as well. Um, so David could very easily look back and, and recognize all of the, the powerful things that God has done. That God is, um, but more importantly, most important thing is that God is uh, above him. <laughs> Psalm uh, 113. There's just a few verses there. I uh, just want to read real quick. Three verses. It just talks about uh, God being over uh, and above everything. It says, The Lord is high above all nations and his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God? Who is seated on high? Who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? God is uh, above everything, and David is, and his power is above anyone else's power. God's rule is ultimate over all nations and peoples. So we have a powerful king, verses 4 through 7. We have a compassionate king, verses 8 through 10. It says, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love, The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord, and your faithful people extol you. So um, I think Aaron mentioned just that that passage, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love, is found a couple times in the Psalms. It's actually one of the most quoted verses in all of the Old Testament. So, uh, and it starts, it originates uh, in Exodus 34. Uh, Moses has... um, God has delivered the people out of Egypt. Um, Moses goes up to meet with God on Sinai, uh, and um, while he's up there, he's taking a little bit too long. The people turn their backs and start worshiping another God. They make their own God and start worshiping him. Uh, So Moses comes down, uh, breaks the tablets, uh, goes back up to God. God is fed up, uh, and Moses intercedes for the people on the behalf of the people to God. And he says, Moses says, please, uh, in, ver- in chapter 33, he says, please show me your glory. So God says, okay, so come up to the mountain, uh, and I will. And so he comes up to the mountain, uh, and the Lord, it says in, in chapter 34, verse 5, it says, the Lord descended in the clouds and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Um, and so we did cover that in Psalm 103, and Aaron uh, talked about that, and her whole sermon was about God's steadfast love. That word chesed is God's covenant love. It's used a lot, a lot throughout the Psalms, um, and that is 
his unfailing, his loyal covenant love to us and to his covenant people, specifically in the Old Testament, his covenant people, Israel. Half of the Bible's references to this covenantal love are found in the Psalms. Psalm 89 says, My faithfulness and my steadfast love shall be with him, and in my name shall, be his, ho- and in my name shall his horn be exalted. My steadfast love I will keep for him forever, and my covenant will stand firm for him. But I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. That's God speaking to us about his steadfast love, that it is sure and that it is firm. Um, We have a, a compassionate king, one who is committed and faithful, unfailingly loyal to us. So we have a powerful king, we have a compassionate king, and we have a provider king. Um, verses 14 through 20, again, just say, The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down. Another translation says, straightens the backs of those that are bent. I like that. The eyes of all look to you, God, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. God cares about the poor and the broken, and he wants to stand them up. He wants to straighten the backs of those that are bent. He is a good king. He is a, prov- a king who provides. He meets those in need and helps them. The eyes of those that look to him, um, he gives them their food at the proper time. The eyes of those who look to you, that actually could mean to wait for, to hope for, um, All creation is groaning and waiting for the Lord to satisfy our needs. And he does satisfy our needs here on earth. But but ultimately, fully, completely, that doesn't happen until uh, we leave this place, this earth. But it says you open your hand. And I like that. There's there's this um, willingness on God's part uh, to, to provide for our needs. I think sometimes maybe we might think or can tend to think that God uh, begrudgingly uh, gives us good things. No, his hands are open and he is ready and willing to satisfy the desires of every living thing. So we have a king who is powerful and compassionate and a provider. He is uh, a model king, the kind of king that we, you would want to live under. And the good news about this king is that his kingdom is forever. Someone, a couple people mentioned noticing that. Um, verses 11 through 13 in particular highlight the fact that his kingdom is uh, forever. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all, his, all he promises and faithful in all he does. 
His kingdom uh, never ends. <laughs> the rule of this good king uh, is eternal. And I, I want to read um, together. So if you want to turn uh, in your Bibles, if you have Bibles, there's some at the end of the rows if you don't have them. First Samuel. I'm sorry, Second Samuel 7. So Samuel's in the Old Testament. Uh, I don't know, about this far in. Second Samuel 7. David has just become king. And the Lord comes to him through the prophet um, Nathan and speaks this covenant over David. Uh, Starting in verse 8. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, God's talking to Nathan, and this is what God says to David through Nathan. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you. Who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. So God makes this covenant with David, that your kingdom will be forever. And he's talking about Solomon to come, his son, who's going to follow him. But he's talking about more than just, this covenant goes well beyond just his son, Solomon, and, and even his descendants after Solomon. It says, my steadfast love will not depart from him, from his son Solomon, but also beyond. David, um, you could look at David as kind of an overachiever, I think, right? He kills lions and bears to save a sheep. Uh, He defeats Goliath. He's patient and compassionate as Saul chases him all over the country waiting to become king. And then he brings peace to Israel um, over all his enemies. These promises that God makes to him come true. He's the best known and simply probably the best king of Israel ever. But he still acknowledges in this Psalm 145 that the ultimate kingship, that God is the best king who exercises his good power, his steadfast love and compassion and his and faithfully provides for his people's needs. 
That's why David was a man after God's own heart. He knew that anything he had accomplished came from God's hand. He experienced God's mercy and love even in the midst of his terrible sin. And so God, uh, sorry, that was a bit of a tangent, but going back, God makes this covenant with David. And his covenant with him was not only for him or his sons, but the eventual and final king, King Jesus. Jesus, if you follow the family line, is in the line of David. Uh, His birth mother, Mary, came from the line of David. His, 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 sorry, his birth father, Joseph, uh, was in the line of David. And that was the prophecy, and uh, his is the kingdom that lasts forever. Jesus is the kingdom that lasts forever. Jesus, when he came to earth, ushered in a new and final kingdom. Most of what Jesus did when he communicated on earth was to talk about the importance of the kingdom, the reality of it, and the nearness of it. The gospel, you hear the word thrown around a lot, the gospel, the good news, that word actually was used specifically to talk about the coming of a new king. The good news was that the new king, Jesus, had come and was taking over once and for all. The thing is, this is not a kingdom about a, in a region or a location, but an all-encompassing kingdom in which Jesus is the undisputed king with ultimate authority over all creation. Nothing can stand against him or his kingdom. And the good news is that his kingdom has come and we're invited to live in it, to find our home in his kingdom, to recognize and confess Jesus as our king and Lord. And when we do that, we recognize Jesus' kingship in our life, we, our citizenship changes. We are no longer citizens of this world or any country in this world. Our identity shifts and we become citizens of his kingdom. And then consequently, we become aliens and strangers in this world. And this world begins to not feel like home because it's not home. If you have recognized Jesus as your Lord and King, then you are no longer a citizen of this world. And this world feels uncomfortable (laughs) because it's not our world. (laughs) Because we belong to a new king and, and live under a new kingdom. And under this new king, Jesus, we have everything we could ever want. He is better than King David. He is better than Josiah Bartlett. Because we have a good king who is powerful. Jesus has defeated sin and death. Sin and death, uh, sin had separated us from God. And Jesus came to uh, allow us to reconnect and be in relationship with God once again. His power, Jesus' power over death, dying on the cross and raising it again three days later, shows his good power. He is compassionate. His steadfast love is forever. It is unfailing. His promise to us is that he is not going anywhere. And it's never ending. It's unending. It's forever. And he provides, God provides, Jesus provides, King Jesus provides everything that we need. So when we recognize God's good kingship, when David recognizes God's good kingship, it, it, it elicits 
a response of praise. And so that's what David is doing in Psalm 145. And hopefully that does the same for us this morning. Um, but I'll, I'll be honest, that has been a difficult thing for me and for our, some of our staff uh, this week. Uh, I won't speak for the rest of our staff, but it's been, it's been difficult for me uh, to respond in praise. We've just been grieving a loss with a friend uh, this week, and it's been difficult. And so it's hard to go to this passage and read this passage and hear all of the goodness and the ways that God is powerful and the ways that he is compassionate and the ways that he provides when it doesn't feel like he's, there's a lot of power or if it doesn't feel like there's a lot of compassion or it doesn't feel like there's a lot of provi- provision. I'm encouraged by uh, a story of Jesus when he was on earth. Uh, last, last year we read through, in our small groups, read through the book of John. And uh, his good friend Lazarus uh, died. And uh, he was made aware that Lazarus was sick and was dying. Um, and the scripture says that because he loved Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, he didn't go right away. So Lazarus died. And everyone is sad and they're grieving and Jesus comes to them. He meets Martha where she is and, and speaks to her in the, thing, in the way that she needs to hear. And then he, he comes to Mary, and Mary is just upset, and she's crying. And Jesus comes, and he sees all the people crying and weeping. And it says, Jesus wept. You probably know that passage because it's the shortest passage in all the Bible. That's great. I hope that you do know that. But that's the context of what's happening. Jesus wept. Jesus cried. He knew in two minutes, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, but he sits with Mary and Martha, and he weeps with them because he is a compassionate God, and the world that we live in is not our own, and we still have to deal with pain and loss and confusion and struggle, but he is with us. Our good king is with us. Until he comes in back, Jesus comes back to usher in uh, his kingdom once and for all. So I don't know where you, you are this, this morning as this psalm hits you, um, but it is true. All these things that David writes about God is true. Whether we, it feels true to us in the moment or it doesn't, it is true. And we want to be able to praise him, and it's good for us to be reminded, and I'm glad it just sounds like the Lord even had met some of you in the psalm this morning. Part of um, our time every Sunday uh, together is uh, we take communion together. Every week, we, uh, we pass the bread and the cup, uh, and the bread and the cup represents Christ's body that was broken for us um, and his blood that was spilled for us. And we eat it, and we drink it, and we remember what our king did for us, what our good king, what our powerful king, what our compassionate king, what our provider king did for us. He gave his life so that we could have life with him in his kingdom. Oh,